Volume 2, Chapter 18 of Evelyn, or A Heart Unmasked, a novel by Anna Cora Mollett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 18 Or one or both must fall. If one, tis well. If both, twere better. The Duelist From the Same to the Same March 27th I had scarcely folded and commenced sealing my letter yesterday when a scream from Netta, echoed by Blanche, made me drop the burning wax and hasten downstairs. The street door was open. A carriage stood in front of the house. Netta was running towards the coach, from which Mr. Elton and the driver were lifting Richard Willard. They bore him into the house, and I, without inquiring what had befallen him, for now I saw that it was some serious accident, led the way to my own chamber. As they lay Richard upon Ellen's bed, that thoughtful little creature, Netta, caught hold of my dress and inquired, "'Shall I run for the doctor? Shall I run quickly for the doctor?' I answered in the affirmative, and she darted away. Richard groaned as they laid him down, but a moment after, in spite of his suffering, he cried out in a gruff tone, "'I'm done for. There's no use of crying over spilt milk. I wish it had been through my head. I wouldn't give a fig to live an hour longer. The devil take that scoundrel. Why couldn't he do the thing genteelly while he was about it? He might as well have made a clean job of it at once.' I shouldn't have minded if I had only peppered him finely, the scoundrel, the sheep-cheap-faced ruffian. I had now gained courage to inquire of Mr. Elton what had happened. Before my question could be answered, it was repeated by Mrs. Willard, who at that moment appeared in the room. Don't make a fuss, mother, replied Richard, raising himself upon his elbow. There's something of me left yet, though it ain't much. He sank feebly back upon his pillow. "'I suppose we had not trouble enough without your getting into a scrape,' remarked Mrs. Willard, in no very conciliatory tone. "'Pray tell me what has happened,' I once more inquired of Mr. Elton. "'How has Mr. Willard been hurt?' "'I am very sorry to reply in a duel. I hope that the injury he has sustained is not serious.' "'Had you not better send for medical aid?' "'I have already done so. "'And you?' "'He was my second, to be sure. "'And a braver isn't to be found in these United States. "'He's no more afraid of bullets and gunpowder "'than if they were so much salt and green peas. "'I met him in the street and told him what I was going to do, "'and when he found trying to persuade me out of it was a no-go,' He said he'd stand by me and see fair play, and he did it. I shouldn't want a braver second, nor a more independent fellow, if I was fighting again tomorrow. And what possessed you to fight at all? asked Mrs. Willard sharply. To vindicate the honor of my family, to be sure, and to punish the damnedest scoundrel that walks the earth. We fought at Hoboken. He shot me down at the first fire. I shouldn't have cared a snap for that, but he got off scot-free himself. That's no more bargain for. 
If I were only on my legs again, I'd riddle him. I would, until there wasn't a sound place in his body. Again, I turned to Mr. Elton and falteringly inquired, With whom did he fight? I hardly know why I asked the question, for surely I could have answered it myself. With Colonel Damoreau, replied he. At this moment, the quick laboring breath of somebody behind me attracted my attention. I turned round and beheld Blanche. She had stolen into the room and was standing at the foot of the bed, grasping the post to support herself. Her large eyes seemed starting from their sockets, and her white and terrified face was turned towards Mr. Elton. His perfect command over every feature was truly astonishing. He neither seemed to recognize nor even to notice her. But when, with a penetrating glance, I looked at him again, he quietly added, The colonel escaped unhurt. Mr. Willard desired to fire a second time, but found himself unable to stand. The whole affair took place so hurriedly that I think it is probable we shall escape the investigation of the authorities. The penalty of dueling is exceedingly heavy in the state. I assure you that I used my utmost endeavours to prevent the meeting, and even when the parties were on the ground, attempted to effect a reconciliation. But my efforts were thrown away. "'Who told you so?' exclaimed Richard boisterously. "'Who told you they would be? But you wouldn't believe me. The devil! There's a twinge! Oh, the rascal, the scoundrel, the cowardly, butter-fingered puppy! Why couldn't he finish the thing while he was about it? The deceitful villain, to dare call himself my friend, too! If he'd only have befriended me with a speedy passage to the next world, I could have forgiven him! Oh, fire him blazes! There's a twinge! Go it! Go it! I can't stand this long! The game will soon be up with me! He endeavored to turn upon his side, but failed and for some minutes lay groaning as though in great agony. When he again spoke, it was to me, and in a much feebler tone. I shan't stand it too long, Miss Kitty. I shall kick the bucket soon, but it's no matter. I wouldn't give a rush to live now. Miss Kitty, come closer. I didn't mean to call you an old woman, Miss Kitty. Don't remember it, and don't bear me any spite. Come nearer, nearer. I bent over him, and then he whispered, Is she dead? Poor Evie, poor Evie. Is it all over with her? No, she only fainted. For an instant his countenance kindled, but it quickly grew gloomy again, and he muttered, I'm sorry for it, sorry for it. She couldn't do better than to die. The world's not worth living in now. I wouldn't take a lease of the whole globe for a gift. Let us return with Dr. R., who fortunately resides in our neighborhood, precluded all further conversation. Dr. R. pronounced that the ball had lodged just below the knee pan, and it was necessary that the bullet should be extracted. As my services were not required, I left the room before the operation commenced, leading Blanche. Mrs. Willard followed us. 
The feelings of maternity were not sufficiently strong to attach her to the side of her son in his hour of suffering. We were joined by Mr. Elton as soon as the operation was at an end. It had been a very painful one, and Richard had fainted twice from exhaustion. "'Will you permit me to share your labours in attending upon your son?' he said to Mrs. Willard. "'We are very much obliged to you,' she replied courteously. Mr. Elton glanced at me as though to ask, "'Will you also make me welcome?' I replied to his look by a distant bow and left the room. Last evening Ellen did not return home. Richard occupied her bed, and Mr. Elton also was our guest. I dreamed through the night, extended upon the homemade sofa, which Richard had once pronounced harder than the soft side of a plank, and my stiffened limbs in the morning testified to the truth of his remark. I have not seen the sisters since the day before yesterday. I thought it best not to apprise Ellen, for present, of her brother's unfortunate adventure. The intelligence would only weigh upon her spirits, and, should it accidentally be discovered by Evelyn, we might look forward to the most serious results. Richard is feverish this morning, and though his life is not at present in danger, he has forever lost the use of his limb. Such is Dr. R.'s opinion. I have watched Blanche very closely. She has several times encountered Mr. Elton, but he treats her as a stranger. She is in a continual state of agitation, which prevents her assuming her usual occupation. Her countenance wears the same disturbed look which formerly alarmed me. She does not answer when addressed and does not seem to notice or comprehend what is said. Her mind wanders again. Ah, oh, sweet Blanche, it was a cold heart indeed that could do thee wrong. Night. They are all once more at rest, but my sofa couch is too uninviting to promise repose to my wearied limbs and the day has been too replete with incidents for the night to bring sleep. This was Saturday, and I spent part of the morning in writing to you. At noon, Mr. Elton left Richard, and as his mother spares not her reproaches when alone with him, I carried my work into his room. In a very few minutes, Mrs. Willard made an excuse and disappeared. Soon after, I thought that a carriage stopped at our door, but presumed I must be mistaken, and that I had only heard the doctor's gig. Some words, which did not reach my ear, were exchanged with Netta in the entry, and slow steps mounted the stairs, and stopped at Richard's apartment. I rose and opened the door. There stood Ellen, supporting what might have been deemed the ghost of her sister. I could not prevent her. She would come. But Richard, Richard, said Ellen anxiously. Richard, faintly exclaimed her sister. Richard had been roused by the voices and tried to raise himself in the bed. Evie, no taint. Yes, tis, Evie, Evie. He uttered these words in a smothered voice but Evelyn heard them. She was almost too feeble to walk, but tried to approach him, 
and sustained by ellen and myself was led to the bedside she would have sunk upon her knees but this i prevented and placed her in a chair ah what piteous glance was that which she cast upon her brother and then she said in a tone full of inexpressible anguish i have done this i have brought all this sorrow upon you no you haven't neither answered richard stoutly although at the moment he was moved almost to tears i say it wasn't you i'd like to hear anybody say it was a sister of mine did it it was that damned scoundrel the colonel the smooth-tongued oily-faced villain i suspected him from the first i did my poor evie don't now don't look as though you're going to be hung they don't hang women for such things though the deuce take em they ought to you cannot know how wretched i am murmured evelyn don't tell me i can though i never saw a living thing look so down in the mouth and i'm as badly off myself poor evie poor evie you, you deserve it though so do i for introducing that scoundrel to you there's a pair of us now now keep a brave upper lip don't say any more about it i'll pepper him yet oh richard faltered evelyn i will if i ever stand on my legs again speak kindly to evelyn whispered ellen she would come see you you're a good girl nelly replied richard not many like you you're the girl for my money after all said and done mother pray let me see my mother asked evelyn beseechingly ellen was on the point of seeking mrs willard when she entered the room i was standing in such a position that evelyn was accidentally concealed mrs willard only saw ellen and accosted her with so you have deigned to come home at last who led us to suppose that there was more than one runaway in the family evelyn rose up and threw herself at her mother's feet mrs willard screamed in actual terror for a moment she contemplated her child with a countenance full of grief and pity mother pardon pardon me in an instant mrs willard regained her usual uncompromising sternness never she exclaimed bitterly you have brought poverty and misery and disgrace upon us all you are no child of mine she turned away but evelyn imploringly clung to her dress mother one word one word mother mrs willard rudely shook her off go take your shame somewhere else this is no asylum for depraved women you are nothing to me if i had seen you in your coffin i might have grieved over you i shall be there soon mother let go of my dress will you almost screamed mrs willard i'll have nothing to do with you she snatched away the dress which evelyn was tightly grasping and hurried out of the room ellen assisted me in lifting her sister from the ground we placed her in a chair and vainly endeavoured to console her she only shook her head and answered i deserve it i could not hope that all the world would be like you i have brought it on myself mother's got no more blood in her than a stone and she isn't as full of feeling as a sucked egg don't mind her evie she's too hard on you 
she don't take after me in that evelyn turned her affectionate eyes upon her brother and was sinking into a sad reverie when i aroused her by saying we must return evelyn i am going with you what will dr wesley say when he hears that you have been out let me stay here let me stay with richard that is impossible come ellen you have acted very imprudently we must return i threw an appearance of haste into my manner which shortened the adieus of the sisters and brother and before the two former had time to reflect they were seated in the carriage and on their way to nancy's dwelling upon our arrival we found amy questioning nancy and in great distress at evelyn's disappearance i consigned the latter to the care of her friend and drew ellen aside to inquire in what manner she had been apprised of her brother's accident billy read an account of the whole affair in the herald replied ellen and unceremoniously ran into evelyn's room to ask if the mr willard was any relation of mine evelyn became terribly agitated when she heard what billy said and i am afraid that i was not as self-possessed as i should have been at evelyn's entreaty billy read the account out loud and then she persisted in going to richard i denied her for a long time but it only made her worse and i was forced to yield i left ellen with her sister and returned home for i am ill at ease when absent from blanche before mr willard retired this evening i gave him a brief history of the day's occurrences he was not until that moment aware of evelyn's existence the kind-hearted man was completely overcome but his feelings towards his erring daughter were all of compassion not of anger he desired to see her and to-morrow if evelyn is sufficiently recovered his request will be granted the night is advancing or rather morning is approaching and i lay by my pen to seek a few hours slumber good night happier dreams visit your soft couch that are likely to pay their devoirs to my hard one they will not find it difficult to give a lasting distaste for homemade sofas end of chapter eighteen